armor. They're coming from the bullet barn. Yeah. It's over. You can't defy him. Watch us, mate. He is the one who grabbed the sun. Look how sick he's fooled you, Warboy. He's a lying old man. By his hand, we'll be lifted up. That's why we have his logo seen on our backs. Breeding stone. Battle fire. No, I am awaiting. You're an old man's battle fodder. Killing everyone and everything. We're not to blame. And who killed the world? That was devoted soldier Nux being schooled by the female slaves of a dystopian warlord in 2015's action feminist parable Mad Max Fury Road. This week, we jump into another feminist genre piece, folk horror men. We don't know what we're doing, we're just talking about films, and films are better than people. I'm Lawrence. And I'm Sam. They are not your property! It's kitty! You cannot own a human being! Sooner or later, someone pushes back! Where is she taking them? She didn't take them, they begged her to go! Where is she taking them? A long way from you. So, this week we watched Men, directed by Alex Garland, and written by Alex Garland as well. And Sam's going to tell you the plot. After the death of her husband... Harper takes solace in the remote country village of Cotson. While she is there, she is stalked by a man who appears from the woods. Events take a turn for the worse as the locals start to take an unsympathetic view to Harper's sudden turmoil. Or, as a haiku, Eve isolated. Post-trauma. Adam's surround. Bloody blokes, what are they like? <laughs> I like that. Very biblical. Yeah, start with. yeah, it was. I expect we'll touch on that quite a lot later. Yeah, we will. But um, I just, I thought the Garden gonna... of Eden. It is not. It is not indeed. But I was worried that obviously, if I stuck with that theme, it would get a bit too highbrow and go over people's heads. And like, if it was too, it, it was too metaphorical, a bit too avant-garde, as we also might get into in the review. So I thought I'd just contemporise it at the end there. You know, I'm not the- really setting this up to be very entertaining. Lots of <laughs> theology, lots of big words. <laughs> well, I'm sure we can make it trashy in some way. All right, we'll remember that. When we sort of get too pretentious, then we'll we'll bring it back home. We'll dial it down we'll or dial something. It down, yeah. We should have done Top Gun Maverick, shouldn't we? That's what the people want to hear. You know, a bit of cruise, a bit of... 80s classics, that kind of thing. All right, well, that's what we'll do. During the review, we'll, we'll add in little bits of Top Gun Maverick to, to make it entertaining. But before that, here is a clip of men. Hello. Hi. Mrs. Marlowe, yes? Harper, yes. Diff, come in. Apple from the garden. Yeah, it was delicious. No, 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 no. Mustn't do that. Forbidden fruit. Oh, God, sorry, I... I, I'm joking. Oh. Something happened. My husband went upstairs to our balcony and let himself go. You must wonder why you drove him to it. Why, I didn't drive him to it. I thought it'd be true. But if you had given him the chance to apologise, he'd still be alive. Uh, so this is Alex Garland's latest film. Alex Garland, who was uh, originally a novelist, who wrote The Beach. And then he went on to collaborate with Danny Boyle and make 28 Days Later. And 
he's also worked on some other projects as well. But yeah, he, been very busy over but, the past sort of ten or fifteen years. Very busy indeed. But he's moved into not just writing but directing. Depending on who you listen to, he might have directed most of Dread and and wrote Dread. According to him, according to him, he, he directed did. most of Dread. Yeah, but. but then apart from that, what he did, Annihilation. And uh, what else has he has he ex machina and ex machina of course bloody ex machina to sci fi things now he's jumping into horror with yeah. men so what do you think of this one well uh, it's a pretty difficult film to break down because um, yeah as we kind of alluded to lots of biblical references with Harper arriving in this paradise where she's tormented by men that kind of all look the same and the, these men are played by Rory Kinnear. Oh, um, men, they're all the same, eh? Well, yeah, I mean, do we start on that? Is it as basic as it gets? What What do you think that means, essentially? Is it is it as simple as all the men in this village look the same is because men are all the same? I, I, you know what? Honestly, I'm not really sure that it works one way or another, the way you do it, but that's kind of this film all over. I, I just think it's very muddled, you know, like that stuff with the, the men. I mean, are, are, are the, is he leaning on this idea that all men are the same, and is that the kind of metaphor for it? But then, well, is, no, is that a stereotype? It's too obvious, isn't it? It's too and obvious. It, I guess, like, maybe if you take in Harper's position, the way that she's lost her husband, the fact that her husband was violent to her, and after that horrific incident, uh, maybe her gaze is that a lot of men perform in the same way, have the same bad habits, they're clearly not sympathetic to her outlook, to what she's been through, and yeah, I can kind of understand that but then i guess with the trauma that harper's been through is she a reliable narrator do we know what we're seeing on screen is, is that what is actually happening in reality uh, or is there something supernatural going on in yeah. the village so it's a pretty spooky place it is a pretty spooky place doesn't look like it would get a good airbnb review uh that was a very broad joke i mean that was a very broad like i say we're trying to make it less you better explain that because she's renting the place. Yeah, she's renting the place, and so it's like a holiday home. It's a holiday home. Yeah, where she's greeted by Jeffrey. Yeah, um, a rather exuberant man of the country. Yeah, proper man of the country. He kind of insists on taking bags up and you know for her and making little jokes and little jibes and stuff. But generally, does make her feel like a little bit uneasy. He's a bit of a character. He made me feel uneasy. I got the sense you kind of liked him though. You found him kind of funny. Well, I think he's probably the most well-rounded of all the men because the rest of the men in the village are pretty disgusting. Yeah. But with Jeffrey, I think he's interesting because you get this sense that he's kind of a lonely, broken, ashamed man who takes out his insecurities on women. There's a sort of very light, low-level misogyny coming from Jeffrey, like I said, with the carrying of the bags up and the at certain points he's like, oh, don't look, as if it's kind of like she's a woman, so she's going to be too emotionally vulnerable to see him when he has to like deal with a, a wayward bird that accidentally got in the kitchen and this kind of thing. Yeah, so, and he calls her like a damsel in distress at one point. Yeah. Bit, oh. That is kind of the film all over, though. I mean, basically, she's entered into a, a village of misogyny. We, we see her kind of experiencing unpleasant things and then having her legitimate fears, her well-being being dismissed and belittled by the men in the village. You know, you have this full range of misogyny here. Like, in, in some ways, the film's kind of like a misogyny 101, uh, which is kind of a plus and a minus. 
I mean, it, it's you got everything from kind of you know what we said, Jeffrey's low level, like helping the bags up, which is very polite. But also, he's doing it because she's a woman, and he feels like that's his role. And there's there is something not really that's all right what about things that. Things should be like in society. It's kind of <laughs> Jeffrey. That's his Jeffrey's. Yeah, idea, really. And I mean, maybe it's that rural setting. Yeah, there I, isn't like the modern kind of ideas or values that probably Harper has when she lives in she lives in London. But again, I mean, that would be taking the. That, that whatever's going on in the village is face value, whereas as the film becomes increasingly insane, it's clear that something weird is going on underneath here. But they kind of belittle her trauma, which is, again, maybe on the more lighter side at, at first. No, not on the lighter side, is it? No, well, I, mean, I guess it depends. Bel- belittling like, trauma. That's no, it kind isn't. Of one of the biggest sins that you can... Yeah, no, yeah, no, sorry, I I think I misspoke, I mean, what I mean is it's just kind of like being insensitive to something that she's gone through, but then it goes to kind of like inappropriate knee touching, all the way to sexual assault and emotional abuse, it's just a catalogue of what women have to go through, and what's the film all about, I mean, it's called Men, it's about the experience that that women have to, to go through. I mean, broadly, I think that's the side of the film that I like the most, I think it has a really good... Uh, perspective. Recently, I came across uh, this idea called Afro-surrealism, which sort of describes art that is surreal from a black perspective, uh, because the idea is sometimes it is surreal to be black, some of the things that, that black people have to go through. And I, I think that since Me Too, I think I and a lot of uh, other men have learned that sometimes it's horror to be a woman. And that's broadly what the film is about. It's a horror movie about uh, misogyny and what women have to go through, and in that way, I think it is a it's a success. Yeah, and I think you talk about you mentioned sort of the harassment that happens because at one point she's kind of stalked and like uh, and th- this man from the woods who mm. appears naked. We don't really know where he's come from, what he is, if he's human, but he is eventually arrested. Um, and then, yeah, her whole experience is, is kind of diminished in a way. Yeah, and the police are just sort of very laissez-faire about it, and it's kind of horrendous and shocking in a way that what she goes through isn't taken more seriously. And also... And yet feels like something that people do go through. Yeah. It feels like stories you've heard about things that women have to go through. And like even Harper herself at one point says, I'm, I'm over it now, he wasn't dangerous, and that he's been arrested. There's a sense that even maybe she is trying to like diminish what happened to her. And it's like, no, that's really scary. That would yeah. shock anyone if it was like man or woman. And again, this is something that women have to go through. Kind of, or most women have to go through in, in society, sometimes not to that extreme, mm. but still there are really horrible instances of sexual harassment that do happen every single day. Yeah, I mean, I kind of think the first part of the film is the strongest in the way. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's a bit of an imbalance because obviously, as you've mentioned, as we get through the film, we get into more details about sexism, and misogyny. But the first part of the film um, is set up in a really good way. Yeah. Because that's when Harper arrives in Cotson and that's when she goes into the woods and that's where she meets the man for the first time. And I think actually those images and the sound from that period is like very, very like arresting. So it's really well executed because there's this classical music that plays over her as this rainfall. Yeah. And actually, I think you can see her going through this almost like therapy, the self-therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is all because she's kind of got away from London, got away from this what happened to her husband and, you know, the, the things that have been really affecting her mental health. I thought that was just a really, really, really good piece of acting as well from Jesse Buckley. And yeah, and then when you have that image of this man appearing out of the woods and running through this tunnel... Again, it just looks absolutely amazing. But I guess as the film goes on and it gets heavy and the images get more visceral, I Mm. guess that's where you're kind of a little bit 
turned off and maybe that's when the film starts to get a little bit muddled um as you say yeah i agree i mean and i think that beginning part of the film where it builds up an atmosphere that's really good that's really unnerving and very effective there's lots of beautiful shots of nature it just shows how great garland is at like kind of crafting an atmosphere that is unnerving and and the beauty of of, of nature and you've seen especially this, through sound as well especially like through sco- sound. his scores are always so good i remember that from annihilation actually mm. and ex machina as well you know builds up this atmosphere and has this thing between nature and you see a lot of technology as well and it's, you know he's really good at this but yeah and there, there and there are these visceral moments of violence and and schlock especially towards the end but yeah i mean everything we're talking about right that the metaphor is just too damn broad we we don't really penetrate anything we don't know already we don't get to the root causes of anything that feels like commentary on misogyny he just sort of lays it out in in quite kind of clunky ways and then seems to lose focus more and more as it goes on like it, it kind of lumbers towards things that have meaning and the ending is like really memorable it's horrifying but ultimately meaningless i thought i mean it's just shocking imagery for the sake of it i mean you could pull a meaning out of it i guess if you really wanted to but it just doesn't feel well balanced again it feels like it's throwing a lot at us well i think that other horrors have been more successful and you feel like they have a a a more distinctive something at the core of it and men doesn't really and that's its biggest letdown look to, to put it in like top gun maverick things Sometimes it just becomes a big pile of wank. And, and, and like, I, I can't deny that it's just going to be like, well, there, there, there was a more effective way you could make a horror movie out of misogyny somewhere in here. Well, yeah, that you, you've kind of <laughs> put it quite <laughs> bluntly there. Uh, I think a big pile of wank is a little bit harsh. I mean... All I, right, yeah, maybe it's a bit harsh. But, you know, come on, we, we said we were going to not... You know, if we were getting too deep into the everything, we'd bring it down. Okay, well, I'll get, I'll get back to the pretentious... Oh, good, there, excellent. Yeah, yeah. No, I think... There are those yeah, those really big metaphors, and yeah, there is this sequence at the end, which is kind of so overt and shocking, uh, that it, it leaves you kind of a little bit speechless, and not really sure what it means, or what's going to happen to Harper, or what that means for the other characters in the film. But I guess the idea is that with Harper, she's going through such an insane and isolating experience that maybe we as the audience are meant to feel something like that as well. I think it's difficult to know whether Alex Garland wants us or wants certain men to feel the way that certain women do in terms of like the sexism that they have to deal with in society. Yeah. Or maybe he's just trying to make a film about a, a woman going through trauma and actually this trauma that she's gone through, there's been lots of like experience linked to men and linked to her as a woman. So, yeah, and I mean, I feel like at the moment now I'm kind of just guessing and hypothesizing, well, which, which kind of like backs up your point a little bit. I mean, is it, this, is, this is pulling meaning out of it, but it doesn't feel clear, it doesn't feel balanced. Or coherent, like, yeah. Or coherent. Like something like Get Out did make a very kind of clear point. It was about the commodification of, of black identity. And, yeah, maybe they... They did kind of say it out loud, but it's also there within the text. It's there within the, the the framework of the horror movie that they're making. And I didn't feel like that with men. And horror is a broad church. You can do lots of things with it. And I, I would say that as a horror movie, it's it's fairly effective. But I didn't feel satisfied by the end, like I have done with other things. I think it does also suffer, in general, by paint by numbers or 
maybe kind of like horror by numbers filmmaking at times. Like it's a genre piece, 100%. But some horrors can hide that framework a lot better than men did. We open on a snapshot of the trauma, establishing the setting, unnerving whispers, build up the weird goings on, and then violence and the real horror of what the protagonist is involved in. It just felt like was a little bit predictable in that sense. In that sense, but I think not in terms of the imagery. No. I, I think there are events in this film. No, I guess not. I think the way that they push the boundary of the imagery and what can happen on screen. Okay, I know this is something that we've seen before, that one actor plays um, a multitude of different characters like Rory Kinnear does here. Mm. But you're basically watching something quite abnormal. Maybe that. Maybe it's at the point where you kind of think, well, would it have been effective if there were different, different actors in those roles but might, actually, might have been more effective for that kid because that just looked a bit silly yeah there's a bit where um rory kinnear plays the 10 or 11 year old boy yeah the first time you see him is in a ch- churchyard and yeah perhaps probably the weakest part of the film for me was those visual effects but there's another image or that a character reappears later in the film yeah and i think it's more in the dark and it looks a lot better so i don't know whether it's one of those visual effects that looks better in a darker setting. But that should have been a creative choice if it's, if it's going to look a bit silly. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's, it might be one of those things that's done after the shoot, after the edit, so they can't really go back and, and change that. I mean, I, I kind of wondered whether they should cut that character out altogether, but essentially I don't think it would have worked. I guess what I'm trying to say, rather like in a convoluted way, is that it looks just so surreal. It, not every single scene works, but it does look different from any sort of horror film I've seen in the past few years. I don't know whether you then would call that like a, a glorious failure in the sense that what actually <laughs> That's a, yeah. what actually happens during the film looks incredibly I don't want to use the word unique. Uh, it's, it's a word we use too much on this bloody podcast. <laughs> but it's like I, I'm not sure. It just looks so striking. These images look so striking. That image of him, of him running through the tunnel Rory Kinnear is the vicar, and the mm. way he moves, and the way he's sat. And, you know, even at right at the start of the film, where Harper takes a bite from the apple, all the way sort of these dandelions blow away. But, yeah, the the metaphors, the subtext, I guess maybe that's where it, Alex Garden lets himself down a little bit. I think it's solid horror. I think I enjoyed it for that, and, and it's ripe for analysis. I can't help but feel we'll use it in an if you like this segment in the future. I could really feel us picking this for it. Is that a good or a bad thing? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, depends on what we use it for. But overall, it just doesn't feel precise enough. It's just so broad with the net it's casting, and the imagery feels sometimes like Garland is, is just compensating for something. Like an, uh, a lack of a solid core. It, it, it's not essential watching, but for genre fans, it's like really fun. So I guess if you if you really love horror and shocking imagery and lots of metaphors or are interested in feminism in film, then yeah, this is one for you. But I just I kind of found it unsatisfying. Yeah, I'm going to rather cop out and say, actually, I think this film needs to be watched again. I'm not going to be one of the people that says... You know we review films on this podcast, Yeah, right? I know, but to... basically, I think the film has, as, as we've kind of talked about, it uses a lot of motifs, it throws a lot of things at the audience. Some work, others don't, most of them don't. But I do kind of think, because there's so many different ideas in there, that you could watch this film again and have a completely different reading of it. And I don't think it's too long. Like, I think it's just over 90 minutes. Like, or, you know, like one hour, 40 or something like that. So I think it can be done. I don't think it's a slog. And yeah, I really like Jessie Buckley's performance. Yeah, she's um, great. 
He's a great actor. I don't think all of Rory Kinnear's performances work, but obviously it is kind of really fun to see a actor play multiple roles. Mm. Um, I do think there's so much going on here under the surface. And yeah, I, I'd like to return to my phrase of earlier of like a bit of a glorious failure. But yeah, I, I think I would watch it again. And I actually, I since we watched it, I've been thinking about this film more. Um, right. And I think it has slightly got under my skin. And yeah, there are, whether you want to sort of look at it and take a feminist reading from it, whether you want to take it and just say, oh, this is just like a really weird and bizarre horror film and Alex Garland's playing around with like sound and vision and he just wants to create a really, really unsettling film. Maybe that says like stuff about the, uh, about, uh, the rural country or uh, I don't know, maybe he's making a lot of different points in um, about a lot of different things. Yeah, too many. Yeah, too many, but... I don't know. I'd rather see this than a more sort of dull, conventional horror film. It, as I say, it, it tries to push the boundaries of what we expect to see on screen, which I was impressed by. So all I, all I would say is that it probably does warrant uh, a, like another watch in, in a few years' time to see if it holds up. See if it's got, I think it could, could have got worse. Um, mm. I think initial reviews of this film have not been good. And um, they could get worse over time, and they could say, "Oh, this, yeah, that was the worst film." Because I'm sure Alex Garland will go on to write and direct uh, like a couple of more features, um, and this could be the weakest of his lot. But um, he's, he's already, easily his weakest so far. He's, I mean, he's already opinion. proved with Ex Machina and Annihilation that he's a really good, intelligent director. He is, well, yeah, with incredible like flair, yeah, for for everything from from the camera to how his films sound and how they're composed. So. I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does next. As you can probably tell, I was a bit sort of dumbstruck by this. I couldn't really know how to take it, but I would watch it again. And maybe that in itself is is a positive thing. A man followed me out of the woods. He was stalking me. What makes you say that? I saw him twice. Twice? I don't know if he saw you once. Play a game. You hide. I'll see. You must feel an awful sense of guilt. Stay away from me. What are you doing? What are you? So, if you like men, then you should watch Prevent from 2016. Alice Lowe writes, directs, and leads in this body horror about an expectant mother who goes around committing murders. Ruth is with child, but this little one controls her mind and encourages her to go out and enact various violent deeds. At first, the victims seem innocent, but over the course of the film, we learn of the motive behind Ruth's killings. I'm not in control. Don't want to know what's in there. I'm scared of her. I would swap her. I'm on the dark side. So, similarities to men. Both can be packaged into that lower budget British horror box, but there's a lot more to it. Both protagonists are grieving to the death of their partners and the ramifications of that are explored. There's also the everyday sexism Ruth and Harper encounter in both films. We've covered the range of misogyny Harper has to deal with in men and Ruth equally has to deal with that in different areas of society. Not all of the people Ruth's doing in are sexist pigs per se, 
But there is a sense of satisfaction when she stabs those that have taken swipes at her age, physicality, and features. There is perhaps a departure in terms of the main characters. Ruth is proactive in terms of the way she unleashes vengeance, while Harper is a more passive character, but that is linked to the nature of the story. There are readings of both films in which a lot of the events are within both women's imaginations. Has their grief made them unreliable narrators? And with Ruth's pregnancy, has this made her mind completely unstable? They are slightly different horror films in terms of structure and identity as well. Men evolves into a home invasion film, while Prevenge is more of a serial killer flick. There's a bit more ambiguity surrounding the events in Men and what exactly the village of Cotson is, while the action of Prevenge does take place in modern day London. However, both are gruesome but inventive horror films with feminist overtones. There are even moments of black comedy to alleviate some tension and slightly more stomach-churning scenes. Prevenge might be even more of a rewarding watch if you want to see a woman on the edge subverting that idea of the submissive and burdened pregnant lady. Yeah, I just I I've I realised that we have to do this segment saying if you liked men and if you didn't like men, and that's going to sound a bit <laughs> that's going to sound a bit weird. I just we're talking about the title of the film Men, so I don't I don't want anyone to accuse us of you know misandry. Oh, I see what you mean. You know, yeah. yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, bloody, bloody men. <laughs> uh. We're doing our best to please everyone here and not offend anyone on any on any side of the political spectrum. I really like Prevenge. I enjoyed it more than I, I did men. And I, I think it's an interesting comparison. Yeah, they both have a questionable narrator. There's elements that are more surreal. But, I mean, obviously Prevenge is also a comedy and I think it's funnier. Yeah, uh, and... maybe that's why it's easier to get through in a way. You can watch Prevenge and you don't have to take it too seriously. While obviously I think men is, you know, that's a film that is taking itself seriously. Yes, very, very seriously. I think Alice Lowe is great. This was made in 2016, uh, but she is working on another film. I'll be really interested to see what she does. It's put together like really, really well. It, like a lot of the, the choices in terms of uh, editing and cinematography are great. It, it is funny and quirky and weird. Maybe it is also a little bit unsatisfying by the end. Kind of not sure exactly if if there is a direction or if it, I think the difference between them is, is men is clearly trying to say something. I'm not hundred percent sure. Prevenge is super concerned with always saying something, but it's still a fun ride. Both good ones for for horror fans. As I said, horror's a broad church. Yeah, these are two things in different parts of the horror world, and yet do kind of have things linking them. Whole point of this segment, really. <laughs> so. Children these days are really spoiled. Like, Mummy, I want a PlayStation. Mummy, I want you to kill that man. If you didn't like this, I'm going to recommend watching The Invisible Man from 2020. Uh, Men is a weird film. If the trippy insanity really put you off, then let me recommend a feminist horror that's a bit more straightforward but still packs a punch. Cecilia played by Elizabeth Moss, is trapped in a nightmarish, abusive marriage to a millionaire inventor. She escapes one night, only to find out that her husband killed himself a few days later. But just as her nightmare appears to be over, an invisible presence begins to stalk and haunt her. Although her friends see it as residual mental health from her marriage, Cecilia begins to suspect the more insane truth. Her husband has faked his death, invented a way to make himself invisible, and is using that technology to further his obsessive, sadistic hold on her. You're getting your freedom back, okay? He said that wherever I went, he would find me. Walk right up to me, and I wouldn't be able to see him. Adrian is dead. He's not dead. He has figured out a way to be invisible. So, The Invisible Man is an adaptation of the famous novel by H.G. Wells, 
but given a kind of contemporary spin. And you'd think someone just being kind of invisible wouldn't be much of a pitch, you know, in, in 2020. But it is pretty scary. I mean, it's it's a really unusual horror because it's something human, something natural, not supernatural. But it's amazing how frightening just a silence and knowing that there's a presence somewhere can be. It, it's very simple but effective. Maybe kind of getting under your skin in the same way that like when the house makes a weird noise and you're lying in bed at night or something like that. There's of course an overtly feminist message. It's about female abuse victims not being believed, being thought of as crazy or paranoid that someone could be stalking them or manipulating them, or even abusing them. Men is full of endless imagery and questions about just just what the hell is going on in some of it, but The Invisible Man has two feet in the real world, or as, you know, for, for a film about an invisible man, it's got two feet in the real world, right? So there's no gruesome metaphors or weird goings on or anything. So if that really does sound like it's going to turn you off from this film, then maybe, you know, watch The Invisible Man instead. I would say about The Invisible Man that by about two-thirds of the way through it's a bit obvious where it's going to go and there's just not that much impact by the end but it's still an interesting adaptation and a solid genre piece a pretty good friday night watch yeah i i really enjoyed it yeah i i haven't seen it but um it was definitely due for a remake was it it was made i can't remember when the last oh no that was hollow man yeah, the, yeah. The, uh, Hollow Man was the last adaptation. Oh, of but it the, was an adaptation of the. Yeah, it yeah. was an adaptation of the. That Invisible was with Man. Uh, yeah Kevin Bacon in the in the nineties. But yeah. um, yeah, definitely due for a remake. Yeah, it sounds pretty terrifying, but um, also it does have kind of obviously like a really good, thoroughly kind of modern message. Yeah, it's it, it does. It's it's a good inter- adaptation and an interesting adaptation because in the book, the Invisible Man is also the villain but this is just an utterly different perspective it's it's a really good way to kind of make and adapt something like this i think it's a good watch yeah and i think when you maybe when you've watched the film like men and you're not kind of really sure what's happened or if it's in the mind of the characters or and everything is so subjective when you watch something that because i mean that sounds more like a thriller in a way it's like definitely in some ways i know that you're a bit sensitive to things like this when a horror is more of a thriller and where you know where where do you draw that line right Um, yeah and yeah i think it does cross that line sometimes but i just think that that whole kind of beginning of it like there's i really think the the two-thirds of the best bit similar to men actually like the beginning part is 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 the best bit and actually weirdly for similar reasons because it's building up an atmosphere it's it's that nightmare of the dark corners and the am i actually alone here in the same way that men is like the horror of you know is there this kind of like oppressive presence crushing over me like the patriarchy yeah (laughs) which is which is what the film's about but yeah um and and obviously both films deal with this but in a kind of in kind of different ways uh you know i like to use a segment to kind of not just give you the exact opposite of the film but like if you're interested in you know feminism in horror this is a very different flavor of that okay he's sitting in that chair where are you show yourself surprise yeah so we didn't really talk about Top Gun Maverick too much. No, we didn't. Uh, you know, to, missed opportunity. Ju- juxtapos- like juxtaposition that with you know some of the more pretentious parts of men. <laughs> uh, but yeah, not really oh. a good double bill, would it? Men no, no, no. Men and Top Gun Maverick. I I don't think it would really work because when you come out of one. You, you wouldn't feel in the mood for the other, whichever one you went into. If, if you went to watch Men and you came out, like, a bit shocked or, you know, trying to analyse society, then you go and watch Top Gun and it's 
a bit of an 80s throwback it would just feel it would just taste weird in your mouth and vice versa if you just come and i really enjoyed top gun maverick uh, that's a short review there. Really, it's great fun. Um, if you go to Top Gun Maverick, you have the frills and the spills and everything. You come out like, whoa, yeah, that was fun. And then you go into Men, and you're like, ah, oh, wow, I didn't, I, I didn't, I don't think the human body can do that. That's weird. The metaphor that I'm sort of getting is going, having this like amazing, like going to this burger restaurant, like you know, one of these kind of American ones where the burgers are huge, and you know, these huge side of chips, and then. For, that's your lunch, and then for your dinner, you go into one of these five-star Michelin restaurants, which kind of you know serve these like seeds on top of bits of bread, polished off of like a chocolate souffle, or you know something just really, really avant-garde. Mm. And that's what I guess that would be like. Top Gun Maverick followed by Men. That's what it'd be like. I mean, I think it'd be more like drinking tomato juice and then drinking milk, which would be really, <laughs> really fucking gross. You know, that's that's more of it. Oh, I feel pretty ill just even thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a nice. That's a nice thing for me to leave you with. Yeah. A bit like watching the ending of Men. <laughs> yeah. Um, that also did make me feel pretty ill as well. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Films Are Better Than People. Be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us on right now, so you never miss an episode. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. And don't forget to come follow us on Twitter at Films Are Better and like us on Facebook.com forward slash Films Are Better. <laughs>